0: Auction season is in full swing, so we're bringing you a series of episodes about auctions and how to be successful in running them. Whether you're an auction chair or part of a committee, our goal is to help you fundraise in your auction this year and provide you some practical advice on the best way to do that. It is an unusual year, so we wanted to provide that support. In case you missed it, our last episode, we spoke with a multi-year auction chair who shared tips on what you should do as auction chair to be successful in running your auction both day of and beforehand. Today, we're going to hit on a hot topic of the hybrid auction and how to make sure that it is engaging and profitable. You might be wondering what I mean by hybrid that online? Is that a simulcast? What, what do I mean there? Well, stay tuned. We'll define that and more in this episode. But we will talk about some of the differences, some of the costs to consider and how to make them successful. Today, we have two guest speakers for this episode that are both longtime auction experts. Simon Wells heads up the sales and marketing for Xera, the world's leading auction technology provider. Simon has a tremendous depth of knowledge about all kinds of auctions, and will share what we can learn from the auction industry in general and take from it to the school setting. Roger Devine is the co-founder of Northworld, the developer and distributor of the award-winning schoolauction.net auction management software. He's chaired at least 30 auctions over the past 20 years and has had a hand in running 12 hybrid auctions for schools over the last few months. He'll share some learnings from those experiences. We wanted to make sure we shared the highlights of my discussions with both Simon and Roger. So we'll go back and forth a little bit and I'll add some color in between. We'll start things off with a bit of background because hybrid auctions are certainly not where this all started. Given Simon's deep knowledge of everything auction, I probed him on where did all these auctions start?
1: Okay, well, this is a really interesting fact. It goes back to uh, a Latin word called "auctum," uh, which uh, roughly translated from Latin, and I was very never good, never very good at uh, Latin at school, but uh, I increase is the word that that, uh, that uh, says. So it is from that increase in pricing.
0: Those school auctions don't date back to Greek times. They certainly are an old tradition one that has historically occurred in person. As we learned in a prior episode with Christina Linazo, our multi-year auction chair, some schools have had online auctions running in parallel to their in-person auctions. But many schools have not done anything online prior to the last year and a half. Some haven't even had an auction in the last year and a half. So either way... What's pretty certain is most schools have had to rethink their auction strategy. Since Roger has been on the front lines of working with schools to do that, he shared some great tips for where to start. Why don't I kick things off by just asking about the key features PTA leaders should look for when looking at auction technology for hosting an online auction.
2: All righty. So before we before we dive in and answer the question, let me set up a little bit of terminology that I will be using when I answer the question. When I talk about an online auction, what I'm really talking about is an online silent auction. Those are things that are going to happen asynchronously over the course of I don't know anywhere between 3 days and 3 weeks. Your parents will log in, place some bids, and then log out and go do something else and then maybe come back later on and place bids. There is another type of event that has become very popular in the last year, become very necessary in the last year, that also starts to be known as an online auction, but I use a different term for that. And those are events that happen, they're centered around a live stream video of an auctioneer selling items in real time, so that everybody who wants to bid on them has to be logged in and watching the video all together at the same time there. And we're calling those virtual auctions or virtual galas. So you can have an event that has both an online silent auction and a virtual auction. It's a great idea. Most school fundraising auctions, um, back when we could hold them in person and when we will be able to hold them in person again, have both a silent auction and a live auction. This is just a way to do both of those. Okay, so if you're gonna do that, what are the things you need to look for when you're going to host one or both of these well you're going to want you know you're going to want software that is relatively easy to you you're going to be spending time in this software you're going to be spending a lot of time in the software if you are the standard sort of pta volunteer mom who put her hand up at kind of the wrong time and got voluntold to be the auction chair you're going to spend a lot of time in the software it should be easy for you to use if at all possible and this is definitely the case with our software Try it out first. Get a free trial so you can enter in a few items and kind of see whether or not it makes sense to you when you're using it. So you're not going to go necessarily wrong with the bidder's experience, okay? You can you can decide to focus a little bit more on, is this going to solve your pain as you are building and running this auction? And then if you want to do virtual auctions, that's a much... Um, there are some things to look for there. That's a, that's a sort of a more in-depth answer here. You wanna decide whether or not you're gonna run a single screen auction or not. A single screen virtual auction has got the video and the bidding controls all in the same place. And it's easy for the guests because they only have to log in one place on one device. We're really biased in favor of this type of solution for one reason and one reason only, because it makes it easier for your guests, because their experience of getting there, getting logged in and watching the event um, is gonna be easiest that way. It can be a little more complicated for you. So even though like when I said with the online silent auction, focus on you and your pain, when it comes to a virtual live auction, I'm not so sanguine about the alternate methods for doing one of these things and how easy it is for the guests to get logged in. There are a bunch of different models for how to do a virtual auction out there.
0: In this live virtual auction, as you've called it, there's a lot of people in there kind of going back and forth, so I understand why that user experience would be so important. If you're hosting a hybrid model, and and what I mean by hybrid model is you're doing either the online auction that you mentioned and a live in-person, or the online auction that you mentioned and a virtual in combination, so you're doing both, are there platforms out there that can handle all of that, and would you give the same advice?
2: Yes and yes. When we talk about hybrids here, you've identified two of the most common hybrid models there, but the one that is coming up real fast that is, um, that we're all kind of obsessed with here is what if you're going to do an event where you've got the online silent auction, you've got, and then you've got a live auction, but you want to hold an event. And you know that there are people who are not going to want to come to the event, and you want to include them. So you're doing both a virtual live auction and an in-person live auction, and you want it to be the same thing so that some of the people are attending that half hour or hour or hour and a half long live auction in person, and some people are attending it remotely. Um, That's the new hybrid that we think is going to have a lot of legs going forward. Because in those types of events, um, you know, you've got the opportunity that we really never had before with fundraising auctions to expand the reach of your live auction beyond just who can drive to the event. You know, the reach is going to be limited by geography in some cases, and really strictly for the rest of 2021. I'll tell you the other limiter here. You're going to have some people, even if they could drive to the in-person event, who are going to be skittish about it. Maybe they're vaccinated, maybe they're not. Maybe they believe in vaccines, maybe they don't. Um, and maybe they're 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 cool going to the grocery store, but they're not necessarily ready yet to go back and sit in a ballroom with 200 or 250 other people and um and participate in that. We know that that's a short-term answer. We know the skittishness about attending is a short-term thing the long-term benefit of these big hybrid uh, virtual slash in-person events is going to be that they really extend your reach back out. For schools, that's going to allow you to do a live auction that brings in alumni from other states, from other parts of your state. You know, it's going to be great. You know, those things are out there. We've seen, uh, my company has helped since the beginning of January, when we launched our hybrid support for these types of events, my company's helped about a dozen schools um produce these events they've gone pretty well, you know um I'd say that uh out of the twelve that went first, and you know eleven of them went off without a hitch, and the other one was had some of the same problems that occasionally virtual auctions can run into. Happy to talk about those later um but the um The uh, thing to look for, if you're going to look for a a software to help you produce one of these hybrid events, you definitely want to look for the software and you definitely want to make sure that it supports the type of thing you're doing, the type of event you're doing. But I'm going to give you another tip too. You really want to be working with a good professional AV company to do the filming of the live portion that is going out to your remote guests. Because when you're doing a hybrid as opposed to a virtual, uh, 100% virtual, the, at, at the hybrid, you're going to be filming the auctioneer on the stage as he sells the items. But they are going to need to be people in the audience who can still see the auctioneer. And that's going to need to um, come off without the, uh, without the cameras getting in the way and the lighting and all of that kind of stuff. You're going to really want to work with um, a skilled and talented AV company in your area to help you with that.
0: I can see how that would make the experience very different um, to have somebody who's professional there and is able to really capture what's going on in the room for all those people who are not able to be there. I can also see how extending this to grandparents, for example, I have parents who live several thousand miles away, but would probably participate in some of the auction items. So I really like that tip there. You mentioned, you know, 11 of the 12 went super smoothly and one did not. Can you tell us any learnings, either from the 11 or from the one, um, that our listeners should take away with them? Like, don't do this or make sure to consider this if doing this hybrid model as we just talked about.
2: Okay. The big takeaway is uh, everything that is is tricky about a virtual live auction and or a hybrid, everything that's tricky about it has to do with that live streaming video. most PTA moms, most volunteers that are helping to produce one of these things don't have a job where they work in video production. okay, so um, you're asking a volunteer a um a competent well-meaning good hearted you know, wonderful volunteer who doesn't necessarily have any video experience to dive into this. So I would say that if you're going to do it, um, you absolutely need to find somebody who does live streaming video and understands how that works really well to help you with that piece. And the second bit, and it's really hand in hand with the first, is you absolutely want to schedule A dry run two or three days before your event. You absolutely, in the place where you're going to be filming it, have your equipment set up, test the bandwidth of your connection there, and understand exactly how it's going to go and do that dry run. That dry run doesn't have to last any longer than about 10 or 15 minutes. You don't have to do your entire program, but you really need to test the technology piece to it. Um, Because, like I say, everything that's tricky about these has to do with getting the video out at the right quality level from, you know, using the right machines to the right places and then seeing how that's going to go. The other takeaway is really, you know, the dry run is going to help you practice how you manage the remote bidders and the remote bidding process while it is going on. There's not a whole lot of work to do there, but you have to move from one item to the next. You have to award items as they are sold. And you want to practice that. You want to have just, you know, at least just a little bit of practice under your belt so that you don't panic during the event. Um, You kind of know, okay, this is the time when I push this button and this is the time when I flip that switch. Um, Those are the two really, really key things that I, I have to emphasize to our customers.
0: If you're anything like most PTAs, right now you have spirit wear sitting in a closet. You paid for it and you don't expect to make any money from it. You've written it off. But you don't have to. You can still fundraise with these shirts. How, you ask? Project Repat will turn those old shirts into an incredible looking quilt. This quilt makes a great graduation or alumni gift. But most importantly for us PTAs, it is a fantastic auction item. After the auction, when you have parents asking if they can do the same thing with their children's spirit wear that's sitting in their home closet, your answer is another fundraiser. You can send them to the Project Repat site and your school will get a percentage of the sales from your school community. This is also a fundraiser you can feel good about. Since launching in 2012, Project Repat has prevented over 10 million t-shirts from winding up in landfills their quilts are made from soft fabrics right here in America. So go ahead and tell the principal they can have their spirit wear closet back and go to projectrepat.com to make your quilt today. As a special for our listeners, if you use code K12, you'll get an extra 25% off, which means more auction proceeds for your school. That's projectrepat.com. And don't forget to use code K12. Project make a quilt out of it. Now, back to our episode. I think the dry run should be underscored. Um, I have a background in doing some very large virtual meetings, and I would say in that dry run, make sure that people log in from different devices. What I mean by that is not only phones, but computers and different browsers on those computers because you will have a different experience using Chrome versus Safari versus Internet Explorer and so try them all so that you know what the issues may or may not be it will not prevent an issue day of because something inevitably can crop up something
2: inevitably
0: happens yeah but but you will have at least gotten a flavor of what could come up and hopefully be able to work through that with plenty of time Don't do the dry run that morning. Do it a week before. (laughs) In these various software solutions, I'm sure there are some costs. They're not all free all the time. And so what are some of the costs that PTA leaders should be looking out for? And are there any hidden costs?
2: Um, There are costs. You know, you're going to have costs to the software. You're going to have costs to credit card processing. Those are really well understood by most auction chairs. And of course, if you're doing an in-person event, you're familiar with the fact that you're going to have costs for a venue and a caterer and decorations and things like that. If you're moving wholly online, what are those analogous costs that you haven't thought of yet? Well, they fall into a couple of categories. Um, For online silent auctions, let's say you're just doing the simplest possible thing. You're only doing an online silent auction that's going to run a week. The one hidden cost that you want to consider in advance is shipping auction items out later on. Not all of your buyers are going to be able to swing by the school to pick them up, although that's where I think, you know, that's the strategy that I recommend to everybody. In addition to that pickup party, you may have to ship an item or two, and maybe some of them will be big items. And so you got to have a strategy for that. You know, can you put a shipping charge in whatever auction software you using, you know, to help the guests um, uh, be able to cover that for you, you really should look into that, uh, definitely. Um, And then um, with online auctions in general, one of the optional hidden costs or one of the optional costs that you don't think of really at the beginning of planning, but it comes up later on is, um, how are you going to compensate for the fact that With a purely online auction and or a virtual live auction, the guests are not getting together. They're not dressing up. They're not socializing. They're not rubbing elbows with their friends. And some strategies that um, are fairly common to help uh, bring back some fun component there to compensate for the loss of the, the socializing include, like, sending out goodie bags to everybody in advance so that they've all got a you know, they've all got, you know, something fun there. Maybe you sent, maybe you offer a box dinner that gets sent to the guest's home right before the virtual live auction so that they can sit and eat some lovely food from one of your neighborhood restaurants. By the way, I think that's a great idea simply because it's win-win-win. If you go to a local restaurant near you and you arrange for them to produce some box dinners for your guests, um, the guests get something fun to eat. Um, you get uh, you get to make your auction more attractive um, to attend there. And uh, the business, the local business, those local restaurants, which have been hurting so bad over the last year, get a little business out of it. So I think that that's a great solution, but it is something to plan for in advance. Now, if you're doing a virtual live auction, the big hidden cost there that we've gone over a couple of times already is you're going to need an AV person. You're going to need an AV person to help you. And yes, you can do this with volunteers, but if at all possible, you really don't want to. You really don't want to. You really want to work with somebody who does this professionally because the quality of that video that comes out um, is going to, you know, largely determine the, you know, how your parents think about the auction. You know, did they have fun? Was it good? was it a good idea for you to do this this way this year? Or, you know, or did you waste their time? One of the things I'll tell you about these virtual events is that um we've all got Zoom fatigue right now. And uh when your guests sit down to watch yet another live streaming video, yeah, maybe it's not a Zoom meeting, but maybe they've got about a half an hour that they're willing to give you before they get tired and decide to start wandering away. So You know, you've got to be able to entertain them during your program. You may not have thought of that. You may not have thought about the fact that it's a really good idea to have a little pre-recorded video produced that you're going to play at the end of kids singing and dancing. Because, you know, we will all stick around to see our kids sing and dance. And if you can produce a little video like that and you tell everybody it's going to be something we're going to show at the end of the event here, so stick around, stay logged in, then they are going to stay engaged and stay with you longer. So um, again, video is a big part of where those hidden costs might be. I mean, I don't know what's hidden to everybody who's listening to this, but but that's a, that's a fairly common one. And it's more than just a camera. I mean, it really means that you've got to have decent video production software and you may even need a studio, a studio setup where they you know you can light it correctly and you know, uh use set up the microphones correctly. Um, all of that stuff matters and you gotta think through it ahead of time.
0: And I think for the parents who are listening who have an auction to run. Start with the venue. They often have AV people, but also the district has usually had to figure this out for their board meetings, for example. So that's another good place to go as a starting point. And then, of course, any potential AV people who may be part of your school community and putting it out there that you're looking for someone can be helpful, but those are the first places I would start to to look for somebody. Since this is a position that hasn't necessarily been critical to auctions prior to 2020, let's say.
2: Indeed, and let me give you one additional tip on where to look for somebody. Great. If you are going to look for somebody who you're either going to hire as a freelancer, or you um, want to recruit as a volunteer and you want to get somebody who knows what they're doing, um, another place to look would be your local congregation. They've been streaming their weekly services for the last 11 months. Well, 13 months now, you know, many of them. So they've got a guy with a camera and some software. They've been doing it every week.
0: It is important for an auction chair to consider all the potential that we've talked about a lot. But if you're able to get more for your items, you can cover those costs. One strategy schools use to get more for their items is through a dynamic auctioneer. I've attended auctions with professional auctioneers, and we'll actually have one on our show next week. and their methods are engaging and entertaining and really can combat that zoom fatigue. Here's some more from Simon on how to get more for your items and about using professional auctioneers. So <laughs> if I think of a professional auction and the auctioneer, sometimes they're talking so fast and I I'm trying to keep up. What are they saying there?
1: So um, they're actually filling that. Now, it did start in livestock, um, and you'll find that where the auctioneers progressed onto automotive and construction equipment, it's all a similar style of auctioneering. Um, Where it gets quite sensible uh, is my home country in the UK, and if you've ever seen a Christie's uh, auction, one of the fine art auctions, they certainly don't follow that. They don't call, they don't pad. Um, I think a $350 million Leonardo da Vinci painting is probably interesting enough not to have to make it more exciting than it is.
0: That, uh, that wonder is now answered for me. I will have to go on and ponder new questions. Um, an important one though, that we hear a lot of questions about from our listeners is when they're doing a school auction, how do they yep. get the most money for their products?
1: Okay. Well, I'm going I'm to break down my answer to sort of five top tips, as it were, or factoids, as it, um, uh, you may call them. Um, and hopefully this will steer you in the right direction. It's, um, um, and this is really, this is years of watching auctions around the world. And all of, those, uh, all of those auctions and all of the formats do boil down to pretty much the same thing. Um, and the same advice can be applied to them so first up choose the right format um, certainly as a school auction everybody wants to do a live auction because that's far more exciting um, but some of the you know when you're when you're looking for lots to bring into the auction do put the exciting and the big and the unusual and the unique in the live auction but really just back to those sheets Um, You don't want $25 gift vouchers uh, and they probably they will be better suited to maybe a table auction, uh, a silent auction in the lobby so that people can have some. So there's a chance everyone gets involved. But really what you want to do is 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 make those interesting items, uh, the, the big items in the live auction and some of the smaller items gives people a chance to take place and it can fill. It can fill some time before, while you're setting up, and it can also fill some time and maybe a natural break or something like that. Uh, the second point: the live event is a show, so treat it as such. You need to advertise early. You need to build the items and and build a you know a show. It has an opening act. It has some big name, at, you know, and you go for a big finish. So you do need to to make sure that you build it up and you understand that it's going to be a show. People are enjoying themselves, then they're much more likely to give you uh, give you uh, larger amounts of money, uh, because they do get carried away, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, something that I would say also within this uh, point is that um, bear in mind um, the auctioneer is very much he's going to be doing the auctioneering. But if we look at maybe uh, bloodstock auction, which is thoroughbred racehorses, they have an announcer, so maybe to give a little bit more variety to the evening uh, maybe use one of the pta or somebody that's good and people know and got a good character to do the announcing and describing the item and then just allow the auctioneer to auctioneer uh, because sometimes if that description is as quick as he's auctioneering it could be over you know, and nobody knows what they're going to buy so do uh do think about maybe uh adding a, a a well-known voice or every school has got somebody that's a great public speaker and use that person for the announcing. Point number 3 um, they say the best way to boil a frog is to turn the heat up slowly. You know, I'm not a, a, a at, uh, I'm not supporting animal cruelty but what I'm actually saying is that don't be carried away, um, put in high prices on just because you think it's high. I think the best way to do it is to start low uh, and uh, make sure that the auctioneer has been briefed as such. Start low um, and, um, and slowly increment. People will slowly add more and more if they, if they think. And once they're into it, they start to believe it. And so start the prices low. Point 0.4 in my list is take the time to actually research and get the right auctioneer. Uh, Because, again, I've I've said to you, there's going to be very different auctioneers. Some of the auctioneers that do livestock are very quick. Um, They'll be selling uh, lots of maybe 10 animals. They could sell that in somewhere in the region of about 60 seconds or so. So they're actually a race to the finish. They've got to sell thousands of heads of animal over a period of time. She's a very different format and a very different to fundraising auctions so you maybe need to sort of do an auctioneer that's made uh, look for an auctioneer that's done uh, uh, fundraising before Um, and don't be afraid to sort of listen to them or go out and watch it uh, don't be afraid to to ask that and pester that auctioneer because um, you really don't need to be paying for something like that there will be auctioneers out there that would love to get involved um, and um they they are pretty good with their voice uh, and they like other people to know that as well so exposure for them so um and then the last point i would say is um and this is a, a mix and i said about having fun um but uh have fun and take time to celebrate the winners so um on those early items as people start to win um and if you go back to auction theory auction theory um um is really split between, it's trying to allow the brain to move from the, uh, the sort of the prefrontal uh, cortex towards the limbic area. So this gets quite heavy, but I don't want it to be heavy, but basically you need to take people out of their rational thinking and put them into their uh, emotional thinking. And when people are emotional, they love to hear their name, they love to hear uh, that they've won, um, and other people like to sort of celebrate winning. So make sure that the auctioneer and make sure people are thanking people for bidding, uh, even the people that weren't successful, making sure you, you thank them for their bidding. Um, you involve the people. Um, you make it enjoyable. You say, hey, so-and-so's won, and uh, describing the product, and hey, you picture yourself, because all the time you're building that emotional response, people will, uh, people will spend their money. But have fun. And And it should be it should be a great way. I mean, my goodness, there's some some really tedious ways to raise money, but auctions are not one of them. They're fascinating things. I've been in it for twenty five years, and I still love every day at an auction.
0: I want to thank both Roger and Simon for their tips today. For me, the key takeaways were definitely do a dry run. I mean that's true for a live auction, certainly, but critical for a new methodology that you're using this year and do it at least a week before work with professionals in the AV space. If you're planning to do a simulcast and we'll have a lot of video to rely upon, think through the potential new fees to your budget. Some examples are increased credit card fees, just in terms of it being more voluminous, any shipping fees, any goodie fees and the AV fees. Remember that irrespective of your method of delivery, this is a show. Advertise early. Get somebody who's really engaging as the auctioneer and order your items in a way that highlights big tickets last. You want that crescendo. Consider even adding a feature video of the students near the end to keep people engaged and looking for what's going to happen at the end of the auction. And finally, celebrate the people who are engaged. Anybody who's bidding, shout out thank yous to them. Congratulate the winners of items. Bring people in to the auction atmosphere by calling them out. And that will make sure that you're able to have a very successful fundraiser. If you want any more information from Simon or Roger, their bios and details are available in the show notes at the MultipurposeRoom.school. And in our next episode, we'll share some tips on how to be or how to select a great auctioneer for your hybrid or in-person auction. Make sure to visit our website at themultipurposeroom.school to subscribe to this show. If you like the topics on this show, we share additional resources on our company blog at www.k12clothing.com. We'll see you next week in the multi-purpose room.